Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Welcome back to the LARCast. Russ, good morning. Hello. Good morning. Good to see you. Good to be back on the LARCast. It is. Welcome Maybe. to all you larks out there, you faithful larks tuning in and uh, tracking with us as we work through our book, Reclaim. Had someone at uh, my local coffee spot yesterday. Big shout out to Stefan. Uh, pulled me aside. I was there with my mom and my sister, Jenna, who just moved back to Northwest Indiana from Portland. And I helped her move back. I flew out there. And drove 29 hours across country. Mm. And we did this trip in 36 hours in her Subaru cross trek <laughs> with uh, all her crap packed in the back. And uh, one of those little attachment things on the roof, you know, uh, little 20 cubic feet vinyl, you know, zip up deal. And uh, her two cats. And uh, in we the did car, in the car. Whoa, yeah, bro. <laughs> we did. We did twenty nine hours in thirty six hours. We'll get back to that in a second. But big shout out to Stephanie. Pulled me aside. And he said, "Man, I've been loving the conversation through Reclaim. It's been touching on so many things for me. Uh, we got to grab a cigar and chat." And I'm like, "Absolutely, man. Would love to love to hear it." And I know we've been Dude, getting some awesome. feedback from other people too. Um, so we're in chapter seven of reclaim today. Um, and people have been enjoying it, been getting some good feedback, but yes, it is true. I did this, did this trip and it was not, a like, Hey, like, let's, let's stop and do some cool stuff. Like, you know, it was more just like, let's just get back. And we Mm. did 29 hours and 36 hours. We just kind of switched back and forth. I basically skipped two nights of sleep. It took me like three, four days to get back to normal. Dude, but you did the, good, the good news and all of it was it was my sister's first Mother's Day back in, in the region with my mom in like seven years. So mm-hmm. that was pretty cool. Bro, I'm sure that was some good times right there. It was, man. We went to small town. Happy mom. You got a small town mug right there. I do. Um yeah, they were serving crepes this weekend, so we had some good coffee, some lattes, some crepes, and caught up. It was good. So, in the spirit of the Larkcast and our and our enduring friendship, yes. How I just I just gotta <laughs> ask, man. Like I can't just before we get going in this conversation, but on a serious note, how. How does small town stay in business if they had to feed you crepes to get you full? That's how they stay in business. It takes me to, it takes two orders, dude. Yeah. I was just, I, I just immediately when you brought up crepes, I just had this picture of two plate Tony in the line 
getting tacos, man, when we were out west the last time. <laughs> and just looking, you know, just looking at the face of this of this very sweet old gentleman from Mexico looking at you and looking at his tray and wondering in his brain how how am I gonna stay in business in this moment? Because you were just like lining them arms up, bro, just taco plates. And they were great tacos, by the way. I don't I don't they fault were. you in this. He saw me coming up for the third time and he was like, Oh, here comes this wedo. <laughs> this wedo is back for more tacos. Yeah, man. Well, cheers to small town. Cheers to just everything, man, that you just brought up. And I love that for your mom, dude. That had to have been really special. Yeah, it was awesome. I asked her, I said, You want uh you want me, me? me and Jenna, you, and you want us to invite dad. And my mom's kind of, she's pretty indecisive, you know, she doesn't want to hurt anybody's feelings. <laughs> and I go, you think about it. <laughs> Cause I saw her uh, the day before mother's day. We had to grab a couple of couches, threw them in the back of my truck. Um, did you see my Instagram story with Camden in the back of the truck, holding on, <laughs> holding on to the one couch as we drove down the road? <laughs> Lampus delivery service. No, I didn't see it. Dude, we had the uh we had the love seat all strapped down. And we we're like, at first I thought we were gonna do two trips. But I was like, Camden, get back there and lay down on that uh <laughs> lay down on that love seat. <laughs> we uh slapped that bigger couch on top of the love seat. He just where did you pick he just threw, he like, threw an arm did? around it? We just hold it as we were driving through town. <laughs> driving down. <laughs> And everyone's like, dang, man, you made, you made your kid go back there and hold that couch. I'm like, dude, he was talking to everybody he could see standing on the side of the road. Oh, I'm, he was probably talking to everybody driving, too, man, with the windows yeah, up. Yes, he was. He's like his dad. He doesn't care how he gets attention, just as long as he gets attention. He's, like, <laughs> <laughs> He's all back there. Please, somebody notice what I'm doing. <laughs> a hundred percent man he's a sourcey through and through for sure that, that working hard for the attention man and like just you know being noticed being appreciated was such a huge part man of my backstory and how i would disciple people <laughs> that was tell us more good, man. <laughs> tell us more well i'm just you know i'm just saying like since we're in chapter seven of Reclaim today and we're talking about discipleship. Discipleship. Uh, Gosh, what a freaking jam-packed word. Oh, it's 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 a it's a brutal one, man. Immediately, but, like a hundred different people have a hundred different ideas of that. Yeah. Yeah, I think um I don't know why I keep swinging away at, you know, just always looking for language that helps connect, you know, connect dots for people because inevitably I feel like in this world that we live in, there's just so many of these words, right? Like you, you just say it out loud and it's like a hundred different meanings. Yes. And 99 of them have left, you know, a bad taste in somebody's mouth where they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't want any of that. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we're, we're definitely on like, this is what be our third episode in a row, right? Mm -hmm. Dealing with some of these spiritual growth. That's a wait, what? 
and then you know the last two episodes church mm-hmm. that's a dude if there was ever a loaded word yes that one that one might be it and uh and now like discipleship like this is the point when everyone like closes the book reclaim and just runs <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like, this has been great thank you yeah. so much for all the understanding of the foundations of the faith i'll take this now and and i'll live in peace i don't want to yeah. know any more about how to pass this on yeah 100 percent, man i mean there's so much loaded onto so much pressure um you know we talk about a lot on the larkast about the voice of the shoulds and the oughts and a lot of things that come from pulpits and, you know, purveyors of supposed good news lay a bunch of oughts and shoulds and, you know, lowercase L law, capital yep. law. And you're constantly, you know, scurrying about under the tyranny of what you should be doing. And I think that the two like biggest, scariest ones are ones we get into in here in chapter seven, discipleship and this word evangelism. And, um, you know, hopefully with a little bit of work in the text in Matthew 28, and then just a, a nice close look at the life of Jesus. Yeah. Um, you know, we want to hand off, you know, something, you know, to everyone that is filled with the freedom that we've talked about in the life of Jesus, the work of Jesus, the cross, um, this good news as it relates to really what we're going to, you know, boil down to is just simple friendship, man, simple friendship with people that we love. And, um, so I know some of your, your PTSD is kicking in right now as we bring up some of these words and, and hopefully we can start to, you know, kind of shed some of the weight, you know, that you felt in the past on these things. Yeah, that's why I was laughing earlier, man, when you were bringing up, you know, Cam riding in the back of the truck and just having fun getting the attention of the people in and around him. Like, I felt like in my past, working, leading churches, when it came to this topic of discipleship, um, evangelism, right, always gets kind of thrown in there in the mix of it, like you just brought up. You would, you were like constantly trying to find ways to, to be relevant, to be helpful, Right. You're, you're always trying to get people's attention to see like who was, who was hungry. You know, you're always being told by the, the various thought leaders that are out there. Right. You know, that, you know, you gotta, you gotta look for the people that are hungry, man. Like, you know, Jesus, you know, he sent the disciples out and this was his program and it was a two by two program and they would go into these village and they would announce the kingdom of God's at hand. And if they were interested, well, then he would go, well, that's a person of peace. And so you find the person of peace and then from there, you begin to meet the rest of the village. And that's the whole strategy. So you're looking for people of peace. So you've got to get their attention and you've got to be a person who gets attention. So you've got to have the right language and the right posture. And you got to say all the right things and do the right things. And you get into the villages and you look for these people. And all while I'm listening to him going, yeah, it sounds like um like an Amway strategy. And I'm basically just looking for the smuck in every place that I go that I can use. <laughs> mm-hmm. to- to to meet their friends mm-hmm. and then all this just pressure man because there's like all the pressure to get connected and get their attention mm-hmm. and then there's all the pressure that comes with with keeping maintaining their attention and having to move right around all the landmines that they have somehow find a way to get them to come to your thing and their friends to come to your thing and you know just yeah. before long it's like oh 
that whole thing that we've been talking about, like church being an identity, who we are in Jesus, it just gets lost. Well, and friendship was never the end goal. People were really never the end goal. Yeah. Um, Cause a lot of the, a lot of times this conversation was couched in, you know, church growth, um, church planting, um, starting micro churches, you know, or whatever. Yep. And it was like, you just used people, you know, to kind of like get to this, you know, end kind of product, something to point to as a leader. So you can report back to your denominational leader and all the people giving you money yep. to do, you know, this thing. And it's no wonder why people feel used, you know, it's no wonder why a lot of people are burnout, um, and just done, uh, because they've been, you know, they've been used, yeah. they've been treated like commodities, you know, in the church world, it's, yeah, you got money and you got some brick and mortar, but it's mostly, it's mostly people that are used. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a kind of a sad merry-go-round, man. Cause you know, the leader has the pressure that's on him. And then the members have the pressures that are placed on, on them. Then they become pressures that they themselves start to carry. Yeah. And they can't help but pass that on to the person that they reach. And yeah, you wind up with this conversation when you bring up the word discipleship and it's mm -hmm. like, oh shit. Like, yeah. it's just like, <laughs> yeah, kind of what runs through, what runs through your mind. But I remember in, in diving into this conversation and starting to put some notes together, you and I working together on this years ago, that the heart, I feel like at the center of, of all this endeavor, especially in this chapter was to just help people find relief because joining in what God is doing in someone else's life mm -hmm. is actually really life-giving. Yes. It's life-giving for you. Mm -hmm. um, it, but it's also equally life-giving to the person that you're, that you're, you know, reaching out to the person you're loving on the person you're passing on good news and encouragement mm -hmm. to. It doesn't need to be something that's weighty. It doesn't need to be something that's stressful. It doesn't need to be something that, you know, there's, there's not some end goal of like fixing this person and getting them to come plug into your thing so that you can therefore feel like you matter so that your leader can therefore feel like he matters, mm -hmm. right. Or she matters. And then, right. And then the, the denominational leaders can then feel like they matter. Mm -hmm. And then somehow God's happy. He's happy now. Yep. And yeah, I think this is a conversation where we just basically set out to bury that and say in Matthew 28, that's where we get a lot of this. Um, you find this place where Jesus is back from the grave. He's made it clear about what has come about in the world through his death and resurrection, exactly what he's promised. Um, he has reconciled us. Okay. He this, I mean, this is just a fixed reality. Amen. And he refers to, to the people who believe in him as witnesses. Mm -hmm. Like in a courtroom, right? Their job isn't to try the case. It isn't to defend the case. It isn't to be the judge who presides over the case. It isn't to be a juror member, right? Mm -hmm. um, a juror, a jury member. This is probably some correct way of saying that. Um, to declare a verdict over the case. Instead, they're just a witness. We That's who we are. We're people who pass on the good news of what we know to be true. Yeah. And in this point, Jesus looks at him and says, go therefore. And right, we know we've all, a lot of us have heard this and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. And just so we're clear, I will be with you, okay, to the end of the age. And I think that 
verse, dude, is like it's one of those verses, man, of that sort of sits at the top, top of the list in verses that have been mistranslated and misused and has led to a lot of abuse. <laughs> as yet, we were just talking. Yeah. And, and yet if you're going to have, you know, a hand painted sign on the wall inside of your church, it's going to be this one. If you're going to, if you're going to work with your local printer uh, to get a nice, you know, design decal wall yeah, man. right front and center in the, in the commons area, your church is most likely going to be, Matthew 28. This is a verse that's at the center of of every church missional, you know, statement, you know, about us kind of a thing, yep. the driving, you know, flagship uh verse and passage and mission. Mission really is the word, you know, that they use. This is it. So if you've been in the church, dude, you you know, you've definitely you've definitely heard heard this. But there's a couple of things in in this passage um to really, to really hone in on one, I think would be, you know, the whole idea of make disciples and the word go. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think, uh, I could probably read it right here out of chapter seven and reclaim better than I can and clearer than I could probably, you know, say it from the hip, but the difficulty in, in taking a standard approach to this, passage in Matthew 28 occurs primarily, this is what we have written. And I, and I, and I do love this because of the two verbs present that you just brought up in the passage, go and make. And so let's start with go. Um, there's a little bit of grammar talk here, but it's, it's important because it, it leads us somewhere. It's life giving in a sense. Verbs come in two common forms, infinitive and participle. So translations render the word, all right, I'm sorry. So for example, skip the line. The verb would be either go, infinitive, or going, participle. Most Bible translations render the word as go, although in the Greek, what the scriptures were originally written in, in the New Testament there, the word in the original text is a participle. It should be read going or as you are going. Dude, that's that's huge, man, to just be able to take a look at like the original text and go, oh, We've put all this emphasis on go. And so we send people all over the world. Dude, there's a member on our team, Jameson, okay, who in seeking support for the work we were doing, had a large church that he was connected to decide to not support him financially for the work that we're doing in the U.S. Because it didn't fit with this passage Hmm. and their whole idea of mission, which is to you have to leave the U.S. and go to another country right. to participate in this. Jesus said, go, Jameson. Meanwhile, you're going, yeah, how did how did any of you graduate from seminary without <laughs> like just taking one minute to look at this and let it say what it's saying? It's saying, as you are going. That's the mm -hmm. phrase there. As you are going about in your everyday life, wherever you are. Yeah, which if you just look at the life of Jesus, that's most of his most of his interactions were interactions in the moment. Yes. He bounced around from, you know, town to town. Um, last I checked, I don't I don't necessarily think he had a six month, one year, two year, you know, three year plan. Um, a lot of times, you know, situations dictated where he would go, where he wouldn't go. And these were just kind of like casual interactions conversations that just kind of like popped up and he would just go with it. He would just run with it. Yeah. I mean, apart from like a couple of people in the new Testament, 
that had a specific task that they were given for like a, like a season, you know what I mean? This entire movement of the church that's growing and growing and growing through the Roman empire is made up of everyday people, mm-hmm. people who are just passing on good news that they're finding in their lives. And they're passing on as they, as they walk to work with people at the break room, right? In the neighborhood, moms passing it on right, with, with kids that they're staying home with. It, you know, it's just, it's just a simple, simple, everyday way of life. It's a lifestyle is maybe the best way now to put it. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds kind of cheesy or cliche, but you can't help but I feel like see what I'm trying to say here if I describe the church right as a lifestyle. Church is a lifestyle. It's who you are. Mm-hmm. It's a way of life with Jesus wherever you are. Mm-hmm. And a part of that life is just being a witness, being someone who gets to pass on the good news, the only good news that this world will ever know, the only hope, the only peace, the only forgiveness, the only unconditional, indiscriminate, never going to let you go, love. Mm-hmm. The only way back to your true identity as a human and what it actually means to be human. Mm-hmm. This is in Jesus. This is what you're passing on. And so the other issue there that we find is with the word make, and we turn that into like us fixing someone. We have to make this thing like they're a, like they're a widget, right? Like in a factory or they're to make it happen. Yeah. But I mean, it just brings an, an entire theological dilemma because Jesus has just constantly made it known that, oh yeah, well, that's right. Like with man, yeah, that's impossible with man. Yeah, that's impossible. I mean, how many times does he have to say this? Mm-hmm. The, the 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 process of someone awakening to their reality in Jesus and Jesus in them mm-hmm. is something the Spirit of God does. Yes. We simply just get to trip into whatever the Spirit's doing as we're passing on the news. We get to play a part in this. Mm-hmm. And so an actual clear rendition of this text, okay, which any scholar who will tell you who doesn't have a dog in the fight, anybody who is not pressured financially to say what's needed, okay, (laughs) we'll tell you that the passage says, as you are going, disciple people. Yeah. That's it. And baptize them if they they believe and teach them to observe, okay, to awaken to, to walk in what I've declared is what Jesus is saying. Because what I've declared is good. There's value in it. Mm -hmm. And at the core of it is to believe in the son in whom God sent. Mm-hmm. That is my will, right? It's it's just simple, man. There's really no other way to say it than that. It's a simple lifestyle. Yeah, so, you know, for me, I'm kind of a, you know, people know my story. Um, you know, I, I, like from the heart, really started getting into the conversation of Jesus when I was 20 had a really cool experience. Um, I was just, you know, living a rebellious life and um, I met Jesus in a very unmistakable way in a 1993 black Ford Ranger heading westbound on 231 in Crown Point, Indiana. And from there, man, it's really started to, you know, be, be pretty excited about this conversation. I, I met the love of God, man, you know, and I experienced his Mm. forgiveness and I really just wanted to pass that on. And then quickly, man, like this real simple, cool experience, you know, got met with like plugging into a local church. Then all those 
layers, all this should, and all this kind of like bad, you know, exposition and all this pressure and the idol of impact, um, you know, and then other leaders coming around me talking about, you know, my calling and all this other stuff and started inviting me into a million different ways to volunteer. And, and that was like, you know, doing high school, you know, ministry. Then once I got married, then it was like small groups and then, Hey man, come on staff. But prior to that, I was swinging a hammer Hmm. and I was just taking what I was learning. And I was bringing some of that, those conversations into just the everyday relationships. And you, you meet a lot of hostility, like on a, on a job site, you know, around like blue collar dudes, but the conversation was real and it was raw. Um, and I was just kind of like honest about just, you know, and clunky too, about, you know, what I was experiencing and what, you know, I was, I was learning. Um, and even it started out in this very kind of just right, right where I was, right where my feet were planted, where I was going to work in my neighborhood, my friend circle. And then it got turned into this like calling and impact and multiplication and producing and, you know what I'm saying? And making a difference and putting a pressure on leader types, which all that meant was I was excited about this and I I, I was able to speak in front of people, you know, and I had a certain personality and, you know, people like that just get rushed, you know, right up the ladder, man, you know, with oh, lots yeah. of, lots of expectation. But I think like later on, just, you know, after years of just the the burden of that, of feeling like, you know, you had to make something happen. And there's just a lot of really good and beautiful news and seeing just like, dude, where are you? Where are you right now in life? Mm. If you're a mom and you got three kiddos, dude, that's a lot of freaking work, dude. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of work. We would say like, oh yeah, you're a mom. Plus you need to be reaching all the moms. Mm Mm-hmm all the moms, right? Oh, you're, you're at a, you're at a, you're at a job. Cool. Uh, 125 employees. Yeah, dude. All of them should be, you know, saying yes to Jesus within a year and a half or whatever. And it's like, when you, when you pair some of these things together as you're going, knowing that I'm just a witness, man, I'm just passing Mm -hmm. on like, what is the most important thing about me, which is, I know that I'm made by him. Um, I'm reconciled by him. And at the end of the day, the most important thing is the love of God and the forgiveness of God and the grace of God in my story. That's the most important, you know, thing about me. That's the most true thing, you know, about Mm me. And, um, you know, to be able to pass that on in those, in those really cool moments when trust is starting to, you know, build, in friendship and those can, I know I'm kind of touching into some of these other different things that we want to get into, but man, just the relief of that, the no pressure, just like who's around me, the conversations, the relationships, playing the long game, you know? Yep. And in this chapter we get into, man, well, what do these friendships look like? What yeah. does it look like if we're going to frame, if we're going to frame, you know, discipleship or evangelism around anything, Let's let, let's frame it around friendship, just simple relationships. And we have five simple things that are just kind of, I would say maybe like components or elements mm-hmm. of those friendships. And the first one is just being present, man, just showing up, 
just showing up because if there's anything that we know about people, man, is that especially now, like post COVID, like just good connections, like good mm-hmm. friendships are very, very rare for people. Most people are lonely, man. They don't have a lot of people that they open up to share, yeah. let in, you know, those kinds of things. And I found that that depth, you know, that depth of relationship, you can probably get there a little bit quicker. Like if you're in the church world, cause I think people are showing up there for those kind of friendships. But dude, if you're just like, Hey man, like I, I just want to be present in my city, my workplace, my neighborhood, dude, it, you're going to have to play the long game with people. Yeah. If you really want, you know, to build trust and become a friend. Um, and again, please hear me that for us, the end goal is people. It's just friendship. Yeah. In fact, I would say, I would say, dude, if you could just ditch this idea of having an ulterior motive, which lingers in this, in this world and mostly in this conversation, you can have an ultimate motive. Like I have an ultimate motive for all my friends. Like, dude, I would love for you, you know, to come and know the love of God. I would yeah. love that. I would love nothing more than to know the one who made you and reconciled you and find your identity in that and find joy in that. But that ulterior motive, you know what I'm saying? Of trying to make something happen. So in these friendships, it's, it's just being present, just showing up, man, listening. A lot of times when people think of discipleship evangelism, they picture themselves as just talking or presenting something, mm-hmm. you know, how about just listening? How about just asking some questions, getting to know people, where they're coming from, you know, where they're at. And then as that relationship starts to flourish and starts to grow and trust is there, I think there's an occasion for both people to share the most important pieces of their story, the things that they're most passionate about. And there's going to be opportunity to bring good news into those conversations, not in like a confrontational way, not in like an awkward way, but as just an extension of a friendship, getting to know someone. Hey, dude, I'm finding out about you. What's most important about you, dude. I'm sharing what's most important about me. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing, man. I found a lot of joy in, in this, you know, in the midst of capital L law in the church or all these lowercase L laws in this world that we're all suffering under the weight of. And then I think from there, dude, we're not inviting people into inviting would be the next thing. And I think when you hear that, it's like, oh, invite them to church or invite them to, you know, your thing or whatever. No, dude, like we're just inviting them to just trust, just dare to believe that this is true, that there's a God who made you. You're his kid, whether you like it or not, (laughs) you're forgiven, whether you like it or not, because it wasn't dependent upon you. He made a definitive move in history by sending his son and just inviting them into just belief and just trust this. And then from there, right? You're just passing on everything that you've learned, man, in this life, as it relates to all kinds of things. Um, and that would be that last, you know, idea there is teaching. So being present, just showing up, man, taking a posture of listening, not looking for an opportunity to preach, sharing when the opportunity comes up, when people are really open to you, your story, when the trust is there, inviting them to trust and then dude everything that you know about this life as you best understand it right now as the best as you best understand the scriptures the heart of god man just pass that on yeah i think um you know when you from what i've been able to tell over the years you know just a couple of quick things that come up in regards to these five simple tangible ways of going about this um 
one thing that always comes up for, that I found is uh, the idea of sharing that third point. So people are going, okay, I get number one, being present. Number two, right, listening. I'm there. But when it comes to sharing, uh, they sometimes feel like there's all these Bible verses that you've got to memorize. There's yeah. this study that you've got to bring people through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there's the camp that's like sharing is always like just evangelistic. It's always just to this person who's outside the faith. Mm-hmm. What about discipleship, Russ, like for those of us who are a part of the church? And I think what we're showing here is this is what we see in the very life and way of Jesus. This is mm-hmm. what we see in the very life and way of the early church. If we live in him and he lives in us, right? We are his body in the world, the church. Mm-hmm. It would make sense for us to just simply join in and follow along with what we've seen him doing, right? So does he differentiate? He doesn't. When he's sharing, right? When he's sharing what's true with someone, whether there's someone who's believed or someone who hasn't, it's still the same thing that he's sharing. Mm -hmm. And so just one quick thing I would throw out to all of you who are listening in, evangelism. Try to bury that word if you can. Mm -hmm. In the scriptures, it's not an ism. Yeah. Okay. In the scriptures, in the Greek, it's not an ism. Uangelion just means good news. The news. It's the news of Jesus. It's something you're passing on to somebody who doesn't yet believe in him. And it's also the very same thing you're passing on to those who do. Mm-hmm. So I can be in the same conversation with two different types of people or be bouncing back and forth with various conversations with people that I'm being present with. Yeah. But discipleship's happening in all of them is what I'm getting at. I'm joining in with what Jesus is doing with anyone and everyone, you and I, right? Two brothers who've encouraged each other for years now are always sharing our stories and passing on the good news of Jesus in light of those stories and where we're at and what we're struggling to believe right now. Right. So I just think that's one key thing to hang on to. And then lastly, the inviting them to trust. I feel like people are going, okay, whoever I'm talking to, wherever they are in their journey, it's always, the invitation is always to trust in what Jesus has done and declared. Right. Versus what you're feeling and thinking and worrying about. Mm Mm-hmm. And so then the teaching kind of goes into what we unpacked in Reclaim uh, Reclaim 5 about just walking with him. Yeah. You're not teaching them to measure map and manage yeah. some project that they're not strong in right now. Oh, you're, you're wrestling in your prayer life. Well, we should go through a 12-week study on prayer and then do a 12-week practice of prayer. <laughs> and then you'll be formed in the ways of prayer. And it's yeah. like, no, if you actually studied prayer in Scripture, one, you would find that that's completely contrary to what Jesus is actually saying there. But two, it's like, no, I'm not teaching you to measure map and manage some project in your life. Mm-hmm. I'm teaching you to wait on what the Lord does. Yeah. To watch what he does. Yeah. And then to simply walk in what he does. Yeah. I so think, there's a connection here. I'm just saying between reclaim five and seven. It, honestly, those dude, like, you could even say it's friendship across the board because really what we're inviting people into is just friendship with the God who made them. Like yes, prayer is just one word. long freaking conversation, dude. Prayer is yeah. one long conversation with a God who loves you. And he, you know what I'm saying? And it's just this continual conversation, right? Yep. That you just talking with your dad, man, with him. Um, you know, because you know, this whole idea of like every week has a new set of prayer requests or something like that. It's like, dude, no, like the same worries I had today are the same worries I had a month and a half ago in my business, in my family, in my personal life. And prayer, dude, is just one long 
conversation. So as we invite people, it's like, dude, man, like, you know, like with my neighbor, Tim, you know, I'll, I'll bring this up. You know, Tim listens to the Larkast sometimes. I've mentioned him before. I told him, like, yeah. dude, sometimes I chat him. I shout you out. Any friend that I have, I shout out to the Larkast. I tell him. And so with my neighbor, Tim, good, like, dude. you know, I, I met him six years ago. And, dude, he and I didn't get to having, like, pretty honest, real conversation um, about some of these things until, like, four or five years into our friendship. You know, and sometimes you're just like, man, where's all this conversation of craft beer and metal bands, you know, and work, you know, going because I ultimately do like I do. I want Tim to know that God loves him. Um, and just one day he just came over, man. He had a bunch of stuff going on in his life and he just asked me a simple spiritual question. You know, he, he I mean, he knew that that was my story. I never pushed it on him, but he knew that about me. And he was just at a point, man, like, you know with his story and what was going on with him where he was just open to that conversation. And I was just like, Tim, man, he, God loves you. He's your dad. You're his kid. Talk to him, share all these things, you know, take your burdens, cast them on him, just go to him, you know? And so I'm just encouraging him to trust and just lean into that friendship. So it was our friendship, you know, this long game, dude. Yes. You know, a lot of times you think of like, we, we, may, we act like, we're going to hear this sermon on a Sunday and then just all of a sudden just show up to work and like make all this stuff happen. Like by lunch, it's like, yeah. dude, no, like we're rooted in places and with people like these are long game relationships and conversations that need time to breathe. Um, yeah. Especially dude, people opening up about this thing. This is probably one of the most like vulnerable, more awkward conversations. I think for people to have neighbors to have, um, mm -hmm. and you know, to think that this is just going to happen right away, it's just not also, dude, I look at this list and just look at my relationship with my kids, dude, a lot of that, like, dude, 17, 15, 13, dude, they got their own lives now, you know, so much of it hinges on just time spent being present, asking them yeah. questions, moving from a parent with older kids into you know, yeses and nos into more, okay, it's influence, it's relationship here, you know, and just listening to them, asking good questions, and then just passing on, you know, the news of Jesus into whatever anxiety they have, uh, yep. worries that they have, um, questions, you know, that they have inviting them just to simply trust and just keep that conversation going. I love that because it, it I feel like it gives a some really good tangible clarity for people. Um, you, you've got uh, Tim, a neighbor, right? And then kids. But with both of both of them, neither one of them are a project that you're looking at that you're trying to fix. They're not Above someone my pay grade, man. Map. Yeah, you're not trying to measure, map, and manage some form of progress in all their lives. Some Something that you've spotted that needs to be fixed, and here we go, and I've got yeah. this study that I'm about to roll out. Mm -hmm. But instead, by just being present and listening and you sharing and listening to them share, you have moments of being able to invite them to take a step into something that surfaced where they really are mm -hmm. because they're, they're, they learn on a need to know basis. Mm -hmm. Jesus is the master at this. He doesn't come to people, right? He never just shows up with like, bam, now go do this. It's always him sharing in light of where someone's really at. Yes. So what I'm saying is like, there's such a beauty in that. And whether, so again, whether you're discipling someone who 
to Jesus, right? Into a life in him, or if you're discipling someone who's already believed in him, mm-hmm. it's still the same being present, listening, sharing, inviting, and teaching them to wait, watch, and walk in whatever the Lord's actually doing right now in their lives. Yeah, and, and if you're the kind of person um, who's who's thinking like, you know, man, I want to like start some kind of community, or even I want to start some kind of, you know, uh, an expression of the church. Why can't we, why can't we form it around these friendships? Why can't we form it around these conversations right here? Cause I'll tell you a, a, a lot of church expressions. They don't allow for any of this. It's almost like friendship yeah. is something they're trying to cram in on the back end. It's like, cool. Show up on Sunday. We got this whole thing that we want you to do every single week. Right. And then it's like, we try to cram in at the end of these things, um, these kind of friendships. And dude, I remember like back in the day, you know, looking at the numbers, you know, you have people coming on Sundays and then you're trying to push people into like small groups and stuff like that. And dude, like nobody's, nobody's numbers were over like 30% on like small groups, you know? And that was like, where we said like, man, this is the real expression of the church is like these friendships over here. And it was like, we had this big bulky thing that we had to put all this time and effort and energy into right here. But then the, like this actual friendship thing was like the secondary thing. And most people were just showing up for an event. And it's like, dude, if you could form a community Mm -hmm. around anything, which is kind of what we have going on in crown point with like some of our friends is we don't really have like a weekly like expression. We've had that in the past, but for various different things, the people that were leading it, the lives got busy, you know, just some things move, but dude, all the friendships are still there. Imagine that. And we all kind of like still are interacting. You know what I'm saying? Everyone's up on each other's lives in a lot of these kind of like the presence, listening, knowing the encouragement that's happening in good news. There's other friendships, pe- new people that we're meeting, new conversations that are that are going on. Dude, if you're going to form an expression of the church around anything, form it around this. Being present, yep. listening to people, actually caring, learning how to just pass on good news, you know, getting yep. over just that 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 crazy idea that it's like this wild sort of presentation and just a flow of conversation where you're just interjecting, you know, good news. Oh. You're bringing good news to the table, inviting people to trust and being open to other people doing this to you, yeah. you know, be being open to you participating in, in this um, as well. Yeah. That would be you others being the church where you are. Yes. That moment where you got together to be present and listen and share and encourage. That would be the ecclesia, right? That would be the church gathered. It could be two people on a call or three people at a bar or around a dining room table, right? Just fill in the blank, man. But it's that simple. And I'll just say this, dude, like this, this for me is one quote I'll just share here in closing. That just was really helpful to me. Um, Like a lot of authors, right? We find things that they say that we love. There's some things that they say that we're like, yeah, I don't, you know, believe you believe about that. But one thing that I have found from Tim Keller that I really appreciate is when he sort of just did a little quick just declaration about the gospel, the good news of Jesus in relation to this conversation of discipleship and being the church. And he says this, he says, the gospel is not just the ABCs. It's the A to Z of the Christian life. Mm -hmm. We quote this in Reclaim chapter seven. 
It is not accurate to think that the gospel, okay, is what saves non-Christians, quote unquote, and then it's what makes it's what matures Christians trying hard to live according to to uh, biblical principles. It's more accurate according to what the scriptures actually say to say that we are saved by believing the good news. And then we are transformed in every part of our mind, heart, and life by believing the good news more and more deeply as we go through life. Mm -hmm. So if you're wondering like the sharing of your story, but then what about like what God has declared? Well, the good news, Mm -hmm. that is the conversation in relation to anything anyone is, is, is working through. That's the conversation. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't move from it. It's not ABC. And then there's a new ladder. It's the A to Z conversation of discipleship, man. And I think just pulling all that together, what you just broke down as far as the way of friendship, understanding Ecclesia, good news. It's like, man, this thing is far more freeing. It's far more fluid. It's almost like you've stepped into the unplanned life of Jesus Mm. and you just start doing whatever you see the father doing. Mm-hmm. Now, I know that that's exactly what Jesus did. And so it would only make sense if we were following him to, to, to join into that understanding. Mm-hmm. But that's what it is, man. Yeah. Well, there's that one real overlooked passage about Jesus where he was like, you know, stuck in an office for 35 hours a week, you know, prepping sermons and then kind of broke it all down for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I always forget about that one. But I probably he was really kind of like unknown hermit, it. unknown hermit in his in his in his village, you know. Yep. That only just a handful of people really knew. Yeah. yeah. It makes you wonder how he got labeled a drunkard. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I wonder how he got labeled a glutton. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I went oh. to. <laughs> he ate and drank enough publicly to be called a drunkard and a glutton. Yeah. That's right. There's that one gospel that if you read through it, he's either going to a meal, at a meal, or just left a meal through the entire book. <laughs> That's it. Friendships, man. People. Yep. And Conversation um, mm-hmm. around good news. Yeah. That's it. it. Let it be that beautiful, that let simple. Let it be that simple. See what Jesus does, man. So there it is. Reclaim seven. Reclaim seven. Disciple. Cheers. Thank you, bro.